Now, today I want to talk to you on this subject, why do I have so much? You see, Jesus uh, taught more about finances and how we handle finances than any other subject in the Bible. Are you aware of that? Are you aware of that? Because, you see, Jesus doesn't want us to be lost financially. Do you know the word lost is a terrible word? I, I, when, you, when you think of a, a lost family or a lost loved one or a, 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 a lost life or a lost uh, person or a, a lost mind, isn't, isn't the word lost, uh, it, that, that's just not a good word sometimes. Would you agree? But what does it mean to be lost financially? You see, being lost financially doesn't mean that you're broke and you've lost everything. Being lost financially, here's how you can know today if you're lost financially. Number one, you don't know where your money goes. Number two, you're spending way too much. Another way you can know you're lost financially is that you're in too much debt. Another way you can know that you're lost financially is that your lifestyle is constantly chasing your income, and we'll explain that in a moment. The reason Jesus spoke so much about finances is because he doesn't want anything competing for your heart but himself. And that's why he said you can't love God and mammon. I mean, you're going to love one and not love the other. And he said, man, I just want you to love me with all of your heart, and I want to be totally in charge and totally in control of your finances, and that way I'm in control of your heart. Because you see, finances are one of the greatest spiritual matters of your life. Did you realize that? I mean, how you handle finances is one of the most spiritual things you will ever do in your life. And by the way, if you really want to know how your heart's doing, check out how you handle your finances. For where your treasure is, there will be your what? Heart also. You see, God looks at our finances as a tool, a test, so that we can see how we're doing in our heart. Now today we want to ask the question though, why do I have so much? Now I'm going to make this statement again and I'll illustrate it in a moment. But if we're not careful, our lifestyles chase our income. And when our lifestyles chase our income, we are always in need. Did you get what I said? When our lifestyles chase our income, we will always have a great need. Did you realize that J.C. Penney gave 90% away and lived off of 10% of his income? J.L. Craft, do you realize he gave away 90% of his income and lived off of 10%? You see, when I ask the question and get the answer, why do I have so much, we're not talking about what I might have, but what I have today, what I have right now. Now, our culture, it works on us. We're constantly being bombarded by, boy, you need this. Isn't that right? You need this. And it's called advertising. And all of a sudden, and, and by the way, we, we were driving down today and I was watching the yard sale signs. I don't understand that. Why would you sell your yard? 
You got all these people living right up that close to you. Well, you know what the yard sale you know what the yard sale is? The yard sale is selling all the stuff that we had to have to somebody else that has to have it. And then they'll have a yard sale later for it. You see, Jesus, now I want you to get this. Jesus defines greed as the assumption, we're going to see it in the, the parable here, as the assumption that life's extras are for our consumption. The assumption that life's extra is for our consumption, which leaves us no room for generosity. Greed is when I think I've got to have everything that I get just for me. And when I do, I will not be a generous person. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever had a time in your life when, 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 when you literally uh, did not have enough? Talk to me. I've been there. Can, can, you, uh, can you tell what did you do? Now, you may have done 10 things, but one thing you did do was, was pray. Am I right? How many of you said, boy, when, well, I mean, we were in a hard spot. We, I prayed, right? But let me ask you, when you get extra, I mean, it, it came in extra. You get more than you needed. What, do you pray about it? No. Most people never pray about it. You know why? Because we believe that all the extra we have belongs to us. Now, I'm going to tell you, Katie and I had a life-changing experience. We were newlyweds. We were in seminary. I was going to school full-time. She was working full-time. She got a Ph.T., putting hubby through. And uh, she had an emergency appendectomy. Now, some of the old-timers here, you'll remember this. For you younger folks... Don't even think about this. It'll never happen again. But there used to be a day and time when you had two insurances, both of them paid. If there's any extra, you got it. My wife worked for Tennessee Life Insurance downtown Houston. I worked for the police department in Houston. And so <clears throat> my insurance paid and her insurance paid, and we got a check back for 400 and some dollars after the doctors were paid and the hospital was paid. And we got that 400 and some dollar check and, and I don't know why we did this because pro I promise you we hadn't been taught what I'm teaching you. But we, we looked at that money and we began to pray, Lord, what do you want us to do with it? Now, now let me remind you, I had thousands of dollars in school bills. Are you, are you with me? And you get an extra $400 back then, that's like getting an extra $40,000. You know, so what do you do? Well, your common sense would say, pay the school bill. But we prayed, Lord, what do you want us to do? And the Lord said, give it to a preacher in East Tennessee, Newport. And so we sent it to Newport, sent it to the preacher. Now, that was the day and time of snail mail, you know. So we <coughs> filled it out, put it, and sent it to them. And, and a couple of weeks later, we got a, a response back from them. And when we read their letter of how that, that check came in at a time when they had a, a, a medical need that they didn't know how in the world it was going to be met. And Katie and I sat and read that letter and wept like babies because God in heaven had used 
us. Now, I'm going to tell you something. That changed our giving life forever. That changed us forever. So what do we do when we have the extra? Do we pray about it? Well, I hope we'll start after today. Well, let's look at our text, okay? Here we go. Jesus answers the question, what do I do when I have an abundance? Well, the principle here, Luke chapter 12, verse 13, 14, and 15, as we read, he talks now in verse number 15. He said, beware of covetousness. Now, the word covetousness literally means greed. And he says that my life is more than the abundance of the things that I have. Now, if people from the third world country, when they come here, if they watched us as Americans, most of them would think that life is all about just getting more stuff. Isn't that right? More stuff. Now, I'm not picking on any of us today, but how many of us, it took a little while for us to decide what we were going to wear today? Talk to me now. Uh, can you help me out a minute? How, how many of you looked through two or three or four or five or ten or fifteen, twenty-four, whatever? But you look. How many? You had to decide a little bit before. What, what am I going to wear today? Do you realize most of the people in the world don't ever have to do that? You know why they don't have to decide? Because they don't have an abundance to decide from. If we're not careful, they they would think that 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 all of life here in America it's all about having more stuff. Now, how many of us have ever used the the word I need when really it was I want? Now, let me tell you something. This will help you right now. There are things in life that we need. Amen? God's word tells us there's things that we need. But we've surpassed in America today. We have surpassed needs. And now we live with wants. But here's what we've got to be careful with. A need can be satisfied. I need food. I eat. I'm satisfied. I need shelter. Man, I'm warm. I'm, I'm, I'm satisfied. But a want can never, ever be satisfied. The more you want, the more you want, the more you want, the more you want, the more you want. And that's when our lifestyles chase our income, which creates a need. Let me explain it like this. How many of us sitting here today can remember the day that we thought about if I could ever make $10,000 a year. Come on. $10,000. Some of you are saying, I, and I thought about if I could make 25000 Some of you said, man, if I could make 50000 Some of you said, make 100000 but here's what, here's what happens when our lifestyle chases our income and it always creates a need. You see, if, if you make $10,000 a year, you'll learn your lifestyle, you'll learn how to live on 10000 Somebody say, yeah, that's true. And then if you make 50000 if you're not careful, your lifestyle will change to where you now need 50000 to live. You know, I know people who make over $300,000 a year and they need, need, need every penny of it to live. You know why? Because their lifestyle chased their income and it created need. Now, when my lifestyle chases my income and it creates a need, then I have no room 
for generosity. Now, if I learned to live on 10,000 and then I got blessed with 50,000, but I didn't chase all the way up to it. I learned how to live on 40. Now I've got $10,000 that I can be generous with. Or if I've gone to 100,000 and I've learned how to live on 70,000, I've got $30,000 to know how to be generous with. Are you with me? Greed is when we think that it all belongs to us. That's the principle. Someone said it like this. We need to cap our standard of living so we can increase our standard of giving. Cap our standard of living so we can increase our standard of giving. Now let me give you number two, point number two. The parable. Now we find in verse number 16, he said there was a rich man. Can I stop and say something to you? There's nothing wrong with being rich. Let me tell you something. The Bible is full of characters that were rich. Amen? And by the way, I've always wanted to be rich. You know, someone says, I've never wanted to be rich. You'll lie about other stuff too. There's nothing wrong with being rich. In this parable, we're going to see it in a moment. In this parable, the rich man, he is the one that has more than he needs. He has the extra. He has the abundance. That's verse 16. Now, he says also in verse 16 that the ground brought forth abundantly. Now, let me ask you a question. Who controls the ground? God. Now, we're out here in, in uh, this community. There's, there's a lot of farmers, a lot of farmland. Now, I grew up on a farm in East Tennessee, okay? Uh, let me tell you something. Every farmer alive is at the mercy of factors beyond their control. Wouldn't you agree? So wouldn't you think this farmer would look at this increase and say, thank God? But what he did was he looked at it and he thought his ingenuity, his ability to work, that he was the guy that had created all of this increase. He didn't give God any credit for the increase. In other words, his whole idea was, I have what I have because I'm the man. Now look at his dilemma we find in verse 17. He said, what shall I do? He has all of these goods. The harvest has been great. His barns are too small for the harvest. In other words, understand, when he looked at that great harvest and he looked at those smaller barns, immediately, immediately, he thought all of this abundance is for me. But I can't fit it all in my barns. Now, wouldn't that be sort of a clue to tell you maybe you ought to do something else with it? But here's what he does. And by the way, we'd have him on the front page of every success magazine in America as the model to follow. Amen? So what does he do? He tears down those perfectly good small barns and builds bigger ones because he believes everything he has belongs to him. You see, he doesn't realize he's greedy. He just thinks he's really a good maker and handler of money. Now here's his plan. Verse 18 says, I'll build bigger barns and I'll store for the future. And as I said a moment ago, we'd have him, I'm telling you, we'd have him on the front page of every magazine. 
I mean, here's how you do it. You make a lot and then you keep making a lot and you keep making a lot and you build bigger barns and bigger barns and bigger barns and bigger barns and one day everybody knows you as the guy with the biggest barn full of stuff just for you. Now, that's his plan. That's his plan. Now, I want you to understand he plans for the future. And, and we ought to plan for the future, but his problem is he didn't plan far enough ahead. You didn't get that. He planned for the future, but he didn't plan far enough ahead. Now, I don't know where you're going to go when you die. I believe most of you are going to go to heaven. That would be your testimony. That's mine. I don't know, but I'm going to tell you something. Beyond death is still part of your future. And you'd better prepare for it and plan for it. Now, here's his fatal flaw. Verse 19, he's telling us what he thought. He said, I have much goods. And because I have, and it's in verse 19, it's there. He said, because I have much goods, I have many years. Man, look at that big barn full. Let me, it'll, take, it'll take me 25 years to use all of that. Because I have much goods, I have many years now. Boy, was that foolish. Not, not if you're reading Forbes magazine. Not if you're reading the Success magazine. He thought that his life was the equivalent of what he had. He thinks because all of this extra that he's going to live long enough and need every bit of it. But look what Jesus says, verse number 20. He said, thou fool. You see, he thought one way, God thought differently. Jesus called the guy that our culture today would call a role model, Jesus called him a fool. You see, he ran out of life before he ran out of money. And ran out of things. And then the Bible says in that verse, then, then, then all of this stuff that he has, what will happen to it? And here's the answer. All of his possessions are going to be distributed to somebody else. Not because he's generous. Not because he is thoughtful of others. It will belong to somebody else because this dude's dead. He's dead. And you know what that means? He'll not know the joy of, of, of giving it and seeing who gets it and seeing what it does in their life. He'll not have the joy of laying up treasures in heaven. Now here's the question. Why does God call him a fool? Did God call him a fool because he's rich? And the answer to that is no. God called him a fool because he did not know why he was rich. He wasn't rich so he could build bigger barns. God made him rich so he could be generous, so he could give to others, so he could plant churches where there's never been a church, so he could have a, a, a church in this community, and so, so we could see people saved and go to heaven with us. You see, God made him rich for a purpose, but he thought God made him rich so he could enjoy it all. And the truth is, God made him rich, and he could enjoy everything he wanted to enjoy and be generous at the same time. 
You know, there's two or three things in life I've never heard. I'm going to tell them to you. I've never heard anybody say, I just want to thank the good old devil for being so good to me. I've never heard that. You ever heard that? I just want to thank the good old devil. Let me tell you another thing I've never heard. I've never heard anybody say, I regret giving to the Lord. I gave to God, and man, I'm, now I'm, I'm doing without. Now, I know a lot of churches don't do what we did at Decatur Baptist, but about my second year at Decatur Baptist, we started doing something off the chart. We gave a 90-day money-back guarantee to people who would start tithing. We gave a 90-day money-back guarantee. No, well, what's your name, brother? Anthony? Okay, let's say Anthony, he's in our church, and he's never tithed. And I encourage Anthony, Anthony, if you'll start tithing, and you tithe faithful for 90 days, at the end of 90 days, if God has let you down, your bills didn't get paid, your family didn't eat, your roof didn't get fixed on your house, we'll give you back every penny you've given for the 90 days. No questions asked. How could you do that? <laughs> we never had to give anything back. I mean, are we just pure dumb and stupid? God has never let anybody down. See, that's the third thing I've never heard. I've never heard anybody be able to stand up and say, God promised me something and didn't do it. We've never had to give back all of those years. And people say, I, I, I can't. Hey, I had a guy listening to us from Australia, wrote me a letter and said, I've never tithed, but I'm going to start on your guarantee. And he said, now you're guaranteeing me if I'll start tithing at the end of 90 days, if God has let me down, you'll give me back the tithe. And I wrote him back and said, yes, sir. Now, listen to me. He didn't give anything to Decatur Baptist Church. He's in Australia. I don't know what church he gave to in Australia, but guess what? I never had to give him back a dime because God doesn't let us down. You see, God didn't call him a fool because he was rich. And God didn't call him a fool because he had extra. God called him a fool because he wasn't because he thought the extra was for him. You see, guys, we're going to mess up when we assume that, first of all, we have what we have because of our doing rather than God's blessing. Secondly, when we assume, like this rich man, that our abundance is for us. And when we assume, like him, that the abundance of stuff equates the abundance of years. Now, I want you to listen really, really close to me for a moment. I am not against having things. If you come to our house in Decatur, Alabama, we live in a wonderful house. We, we, we live in a house that's two-thirds too big for us. We live in a house that we built when we had kids and grandkids living with us. And they're all gone, and it's just the two of us now. And we don't... we. <laughs> I mean, we, we have to just go in certain parts of our house just so we can dust and, and flush the commode over there to make sure it's still working. 
Are you with me? I'm not against having stuff. And I think God wants to bless his people because he does. But I am telling you today that God has blessed us and he's blessed us with abundance so that we can give back to the cause of Christ. That's why we have it. That's why we have it. But this guy was totally lost. Now, here's the moral of the story. Verse number 21. And guys, here's what you've got to get. So is he that layeth up treasure for himself. If you're only thinking about yourself, that's crazy. And is not rich toward God. Now, how are you rich toward God? You jump over to verse 33 and 34 in our text. And he said, sell that you have and give alms. Provide yourself bags uh, which wax not old, a treasure uh, in the heavens that faileth not, where no thief uh, approacheth, neither moth corrupteth, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be. And Jesus says it again in Matthew six nineteen and 20. Lay not up for yourself treasures upon the earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through and steal. In other words, he's saying, man, just be generous. How do you get rich toward God? I think is when we give. Let me ask you something. If I ask you characteristics about God, you'd say things like this. He's love, right? He's merciful, right? But let me tell you one of the top characteristics of God. He's a giver. For God so loved the world that he did what? He gave. You know what? If I'm like God, you know what I'm going to be? I'm going to be a giver. You can't be a lover and not a giver. If you love, you will give. Now, again, this guy is totally lost financially. I want you to understand, our giving doesn't determine where we go when we die, but it does determine what it'll be like when we get there. I'm telling you, I, I, you know what, I, I plan, uh, you know, I, for whatever reason, I'm 68, so I'm not going to be rich on this earth. But I plan, I have every plan in the world being rich in glory. Because I've been sending it on, and the compound interest up there is incredible. Just check it out. I don't have time to get into that scripture. Maybe one day I will. Well, let me go to point three, because I know you're looking at them, and we'll go quick. But my parents taught me something, and I think your parents probably taught you something too. Uh, can, can, this young man right here in the blue shirt, can you help me for a minute? Come on up here, son. You're a handsome young man. How old are you? 14. Are you married? Okay, all right. <laughs> this boy is not only handsome, he's smart. What's your name? Connie. Connie? Connor. 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 Okay, I can't hear good Connor. There's a lot of things you lose when you start getting my age, okay? But I, I don't mind losing my hearing as long as I can keep my mind. That's, that's what I want to hang on the longest. Now, Connor, I, I promise you I haven't, I haven't touched these. I, I, we're in the day of COVID, so I'm, I'm real careful. But now, do you like oatmeal cookies? You don't like oatmeal cookies? Are you sure? Let me ask, who in here likes oatmeal cookies? Huh? Okay, Connor, I, let me let you sit down. If you don't like, I've got an oatmeal cookie. Do you like oatmeal cookies? Come up here. Come up here. Are you kin to Connor? Uh, okay. You're, how, how are you kin to Connor? I'm his cousin. You're his cousin? No, you come up here. Okay. What's your name? Marissa. Marissa? Okay. Marissa, stand right here. How old are you? I'm, I'm 
14, are you married? No. You're smart too, aren't you? Yeah. Okay, all right. Now, you like, you like oatmeal cookies, right? Okay. Connor, I'm sorry, buddy. I just, do you like chocolate chip cookies? I should have brought chocolate chip. I knew that. Now, now I, you heard me say I haven't hadn't handled these, right? Now, when, when, when I was growing up, now I didn't, I, I've got two cookies here. When I was growing up, uh, my parents taught me some values in life. They, they really did. They, they taught me some values. Now, I told you I love oatmeal cookies. Did you see that icing on it? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it's good. <laughs> yeah. no, thank you. I do. Now, would you like a cookie? Okay, you'd like a cookie. Yeah, okay. Now, I want you to understand something, Marissa. I would give you a cookie, but I only have two. <laughs> and and, 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 late, and later today, later today, I'm going to need that other cookie. But I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do, Marissa. I'm going to pray for you to get a cookie. <laughs> would, you, would you join me in prayer for Marissa to get a cookie? Now, I'm going to pray for Marissa to get a cookie, okay? Father, now don't laugh. You pray. Bow your head. Close your eyes. You pray with me, Marissa, okay? okay? Lord, I pray for Marissa that somebody will give her an oatmeal cookie with, uh, with white icing on it because she likes them just like I do. And I know she wants one, so give her one, Lord. Help her to get it. Amen. Well, Marissa, we prayed for you, and I really like if you do it for us as a church, when somebody gives you one of those cookies, would you let us know so we... Yeah, I'll make sure to write it on it. Okay, thank you, honey. God bless you. <laughs> Marissa, Marissa, whoa, 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 come here. Cheers. Well, thank you. Now i got to write it on it. No, 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 no. <laughs> hey, hey, Marissa, they saw you get it. <laughs> Now, let me ask you a question. Let's just be honest for a moment. While I was doing all of that, tell me what you were thinking. Give her a cookie. Right? Give her a cookie. Let me tell you something. You listen to me. There's a God in heaven that sees everybody in this world that has two cookies and everybody that has no cookie. And he's saying to us in America that have two cookies, give them a cookie. Now, my time is gone according to that clock, and they told me today not to worry about it, but Dustin told me to worry about it. So you hang with me. You hang with me. The next point, of those of you that are keeping notes, just so you'll know, is the next point is that of a plan, okay? Here's the plan. Now, listen close, and I'm done. I'm bringing it to landing. If you, get, if you get out of sync, what I'm about to tell you, it won't work. But I'm going to tell you how this thing works to be rich toward God. Watch me now. Watch me. Number one, give to God. Start giving to God. You say, how do you start? Give the tithe. Give the tithe. And by the way, I no longer pastor Decatur Baptist Church, but I will honor the 90-day money-back guarantee myself. 
I've learned that I can do that. Okay? Start tithing. Some of you here, you don't tithe. And, and, and listen to me. Listen to me. You don't tithe because God needs something. You tithe because you need something. You need the anointing and the blessing of God that tithing does. Okay? Start tithing. You got it? If you got it, say, I got it. Now, when do you start? Today. You say, you don't understand my financial mess. I know. Do you, I, but you know what I know? I know why you're in a financial mess. Because you're lost financially. And if you will start doing it like we learned in the Bible today, that the abundance isn't so you can spend more. The abundance is so you can give more. And you start giving, God will take your mess and work out his miracle. Now, here's number two. You got it? Got to get it right. Here it is. Start saving. I tell everybody, give 10%, save 10%. Give 10%, save 10%. Start saving. Start saving. Now, you say, why do you save, preacher? So you have a margin. So you have a margin. When we were kids growing up, my dad, my, we didn't know we were poor. You know, people around us said we were poor, but we ate better than anybody. We killed two cows a year and four hogs a year and, and chickens and, and uh, goats and all that stuff. I mean, we ate good. Daddy had a garden, an acre garden. We ate good. Now, our clothes looked a little worn and our shoes a little tight, but we ate good. We're very, very wealthy. You're very, very wealthy. God's been good to us. So you, you see, you start saving, that gives you margin. So that you don't, you, you don't spend everything you have. Because if you spend everything you have, if your lifestyle chases your income, then you may be making $100,000 a year and you need every penny of it to survive. Don't you love that ad on TV where the guy's mowing, he's got a brand new yard mowing, he's got a big beautiful house and two or three fancy cars and he said, I am so happy, but I am over my head in debt. So start saving. Then number three, here it is. <clears throat> Live on the rest of it. Learn to live on what's left. Learn to live on what's left. Get a budget. Know what you have and learn to live on what's left. Now, as I said, growing up, we were poor. But once a week, my daddy went to the store and, and we'd get a candy bar. We'd get a candy bar. Now, for some of us old-timers, you remember when you could get a, a, a Baby Ruth candy bar? That sucker was that big around and that long for a nickel, a nickel. Now, we all there's five of us youngins. All five got a candy bar. My brothers grabbed that candy bar. <coughs> it's gone. I'd lick mine. Oh, they used to be so mad at me because I still had mine two or three days later. <laughs> licking on it. Learn to live on the rest. Let's be rich toward God. Amen? Amen? Let's be rich toward God. You know, I was so impressed when I was here the first time and all the young couples. Man, if somebody would have taught Katie and I when we were young how to be rich toward God, who would be today? 
Be rich toward God. Learn to live on the rest. You don't have to drive a new car. There's nothing wrong with the new car. Nothing wrong with that. If you can afford it. And it's not messing up your margin. And it's not messing up your giving to God. And it's not messing up your ability to save. Are you listening to me? Now, I'm going to tell you something. I can afford a new car, but I choose not to drive one. You know why? I like the margin. I like the margin. I like having money in my pocket. I, I just do. I, how many of you know what I'm talking about? I like having money in my pocket. I like living with margin. I like being where if the Lord says to me, I want you to do such and such. I want you to plant a church. I want you to plant two churches. I want you to plant 10 churches. I like having the margin where I can plant 10 churches. And you know what happens to me? I get blessed. You know what happens to my family? We get blessed. Learning to live with the margin. 